Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, joined with co host Jonathan Miklos. We are back, I guess it's close to our regularly scheduled time as you can't be. 9 p.m. Eastern, we're usually on around 8 30 or 9. But in the last month, we've been doing shows after the or towards the end of the early games in the NFL and going into the late game. So it's been fun. We've had a lot of fun doing the, the time in the early afternoon. But, Jonathan, what a day of of the NFL. What a weekend. Let me go back. Let me go back to to Saturday. Those four great games today, right? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't ask for a better division round of playoff games. I, I love watching them. Yeah, and it was, uh, man, last night's games, the Patriots and the Chiefs, we'll talk about that one. The, the crazy uh, Green Bay Arizona game. Wow, did you, I didn't see that one coming there at the end, but <laughs> but I'm sure you didn't either by, by reading your Facebook message. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you laid this. I'm sure you laid the uh, the six and a half, or and all of a sudden they went into overtime and they won by six. Am I guess right? Uh, yeah, you hit that one dead on. Yeah, I figured. I mean, what a. I mean. God, what a game it was! And today, I don't care what anybody says out there. Listen up, Carolina skull drug them. I mean, they they beat Seattle's brains out. But then again, Carolina did what they always do, Jonathan. And one day they're gonna they're gonna pay for it. If they if they do this against a, a team that can hurt them, like Tom Brady or someone like that, they're not. You, you can't blow thirty one point lead. I'm sorry, you get up thirty one on to nothing on the two time defending NFC champion. You put the foot on the throat, Jonathan, and there's no excuse for, for what Carolina did today. And they are, honestly actually deserve to lose the game for the way they played in the second half. I was so frustrated. Yeah, I was uh, – I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I was extremely frustrated in, in how that game wound up going. Uh, it was a very reminiscent of uh, the uh, Carolina-Green Bay game when Carolina was up huge on them and let them climb back into that one. The same thing happened today. Um, and the I don't Giants understand that. I don't know if that's coaching or what that is. It's coaching and the Giants as well. Remember, 35-7 to seven, mm-hmm. um, in the fourth quarter, and it tied it up at 35? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that's bad coaching. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's the players hold some of that responsibility. You know, they, they've got to figure it out because you're right. Against somebody like Arizona or New England, I, that can come back and burn them. Yeah, and I don't think Seattle had the – and when I say, look, Seattle's a talented team, don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they're a talented team, but they're not the Seattle of old. They're not. And and they don't have the weapons outside like Arizona has. You And the Patriots or Gronkowski and Denver, I mean – you look at teams, championship caliber quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is, but let's face it, he doesn't have really 
Jimmy Graham being out of the lineup, beast mode coming back after missing eight weeks. They just weren't the same Seattle team. Lost a lot on defense to me. They're, they're not the same kind of team. that Because Seattle wouldn't have got steamrolled 31 to nothing in the first half against anybody, would they, Johnson? The old Seattle team, the one in the last couple of years. Uh, I agree with you. I, you know, last year that doesn't happen to Seattle. Um, you know, their their defense just got slapped around. That pick six was huge. You know, it was just uh, just funky, man. It it was really really funky <laughs> the way that game was. That was two games in all reality. You know, you had it was it's like watching a doubleheader. You had the first game and then the second game because there's no way. So those has a football represented with that football game as a whole world. But I'm going to tell you something. I earned, you know, as a year, you can ask Sonny Clark. I, I, I never thought Russell Wilson was a top 10 quarterback until this year, so I'm not going to apologize and say I was wrong about it because until this year I don't believe he was. But seeing him, the way he's developed and matured and was able to go on the road and lead his team back, Jonathan, down 31 and be fired up on the sideline. I, I have a newfound respect for Russell Wilson. I mean, he I hell, almost became a Seahawks fan during that game. I mean, just watching their heart and the, the character of a team, that's what you look for. When it, when it's over, how do you play? And, and mm-hmm. everybody at halftime was like, it's over. I even thought it was over once Pete Carroll missed, didn't kick the field goal, which was stupid, by the way, before halftime. Mm-hmm. At least put something on the board, and you're getting the ball back. Down the fourth quarter, that was, and they needed it. You know, and that was a big dude in that game. That's been down from one to three at the half of the 31. Because you have a point game, you have the ball. And you don't know what's going to happen at that point. Yeah, no, I agree. I did think that was per coaching as well. And, you know, you and I are on the, we're on the same boat with Russell Wilson. Neither one of us uh, really gave him. Uh, the the props of being a top ten quarterback, uh, you know, even with all the accolades he had, just thought that there was uh, a great team built around him, and that's what lifted uh, his status. And you know, we saw this year, and especially today, that you know, I mean, I respect him today. You know, he could have easily yeah. just laid down and quit, and uh, he did it. He kept the team in it, and uh, he earned my utmost respect. That was very impressive. Well, what, what I felt like, like you said exactly, they they brought him into a team already built, and he just didn't wreck the Ferrari. But now the the parts of the Ferrari are starting to get old, broken down. They're replacing him, but now this guy has actually become the leader of this team, and is actually the best player on the team, in my opinion. And that throw he made today in the fourth quarter, down four, thirty-one to fourteen, scrambling like that, and and hitting. Uh, What's his name? I can't remember the guy's name in the back of the end zone for the touchdown, number 15. It's not coming to me. What is his name? I'm sorry. Jermaine Curse. Um, yeah, but, I mean, what a what a play. And, I mean, it's just looking at his demeanor on the sidelines, you knew he was never out of that game. And that's what scared me. In the back of my mind, I'm like, I just don't know. I've seen Carolina play too many. I've seen this movie before, and it's – and. Um, Russell Wilson is probably my favorite quarterback in the NFL. I'm gonna say it right now. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna be on, and that's hard for me to say. I'm a Cam Newton guy, but today Russell Wilson showed the the I mean, Cam Newton and what Russell Wilson. How many times are we gonna see the NFC Championship game in the future? Be these two? I think these are the future. Uh, these two guys, the present and the future, actually. And I think we're gonna see a lot of rematches between Carolina and Seattle in the years to come. 
I agree. I think you're going to see a lot of classic games between those two quarterbacks, uh, just like we have between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady during their respective careers. I, I think we're looking at the same career arcs with these two guys. And what this really goes to show, more than anything else, uh, that Seattle, you know, hats off to their man uh, to their management on how they built this team. You know, I don't think uh, that their, their front office really gets enough credit for that because for Russell to succeed, they had to make sure they had a, a, the rest of the team a good team around him, and that's what they did. And that I think is what impresses me the most about this team and the success that they've had is that the management did a phenomenal job of putting a squad together they knew could succeed. And I, I agree totally. And, and you know, Sunday's going to be Peyton Manning and, and Brady's fifth game against each other, and I think you're going to see that in the playoffs against Cam. That's number two for Russell Wilson and Cam. But I just don't think Pete Carroll gets enough credit. And I know the upper management, you're right, the president, all those guys, the DMs. Pete Carroll is a coach, Jonathan. He is a football coach, and the players respond. And I like the leadership on that sideline for Seattle. They're up in the face of defensive guys. They're not bickering. They're trying to go through adversity. People are like, oh, they're falling apart over there. No, they weren't. They were they were getting it together. They're like, hey, we've got too much. We're Seattle. We're not going to get beat 31 to nothing by nobody. And just look at that performance right there. The 24 to nothing stomping of Carolina in the second half makes me look at the the Seattle team next year and could easily make them a favorite to to come back to where they are now. And it's all the, you know, ending a game, Jonathan, ending a season on that note, I mean, I know you lost. It's hard to go on the road for two games in a row and win in the the NFL, making those long trips. But can you look at Seattle gaining confidence out of this game and carrying it into next year? I mean, you got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL on your team. What else do you need, really? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're obviously going to have some personnel decisions that they're going to have to make, and that can dictate how some of this goes. But I think you're right. I think they carry some positive momentum going into next year, uh, especially offensively. Um, And that's with knowing Jimmy Graham's coming back, and he's going to have a better understanding and a better, uh, you know, flow with uh, the the playbook and the offense. And I think, you know, it's just going to depend on who the running back is. I honestly think Marshawn Lynch's time is done. Uh, in yep. Seattle. So it's just going to come down to who's going to carry the ball. We saw it this year that uh, they had a pretty uh, darn good rookie running back. His name slipped my mind. Um, but you know, it looks like you know, as long as they can continue to put together a good offensive line, this offense is going to be good. And the the system they have for their defense is just phenomenal. You know, you're right. Pete Carroll, in his second go-round as an NFL head coach, is just doing a phenomenal job. Now you put Pete, you put Pete Carroll on Carolina right now. I mean, holy mother of Magla. I mean, you, wow. I mean, he, he's just a coach. Rivera to me doesn't seem like that kind of coach. So we 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 view into this this coming up weekend the NFC Championship game. Cam Newton is two and one in the playoffs as a starter. Of course, Carson Palmer one and two. One won a Heisman Trophy in 2002, the other one in 2010. The first time ever two teams will be starting against each other. Former Heisman Trophy winners, Jonathan. I didn't know that until tonight. I was watching SportsCenter, actually, but I looked at Carson Palmer last night. Let's look at this guy. He tried his best to get that game away. He tried 
to hand Green Bay a gift, wrapped it up in a bow, and Green Bay just threw it back in his face. I mean, Carson Palmer almost choked at home last night against Green Bay. What are they going to do on the road in the night game in Carolina? It's probably going to be cold next week in Carolina, real cold. How do you think he does? Uh, you know, you're, that was a really funky game against Green Bay, and I do want to give Green Bay credit for the defensive scheme they ran. I mean, this is a team that three weeks ago got ran out of that same building, um, and they obviously their coaches learned, and it shows the coaching staff is is confident, if you will. Um, but you're right. I mean, Carson did not play well. Uh, he's you know never really been great outside uh, ever since he left Cincinnati. Um, so it will be interesting to see how he handles it. I still have the faith in Carson, though. I think this is a veteran quarterback who knows what to do and do enough to get the job done. You're not going to tell me you're picking Arizona to beat Carolina, are you? You just wait to do that next week. What are you? Are you? Are you telling me you think Arizona's going to beat them? Well, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not stupid. No, no, <laughs> no, no, Carolina's my team of destiny this year, man. This is. You know, I think Arizona's going to put up a good fight. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, and I, I, I understand why people had so much love for Arizona. They had a great year. Uh, but I think losing Honey Badger is hurting that that defense more than anybody actually mm-hmm. realizes or is getting credit. Yeah. And and let's go back to that in, this game today against Seattle before we go into that one. What, what it reminded me of today, and I was thinking about, you know, you have two – you know, Seattle's been Carolina's nemesis the last few years. We've seen Cam Newton grow up, and he's learned how to play football against the Seattle Seahawks. They've taught him how to be a man in the NFL. And it seemed just right, didn't it, that Carolina had to beat the team that put him out of the playoffs last year and, and beat him the year before. It wasn't in the playoffs that year, I don't think. But they had to go through the two-time defending NFC champion, the team that's made the Super Bowl the last two years, to me, that was the game. The winner of that game was probably going to represent the NFC in the in the championship game. I don't, I don't believe in Carson Palmer. I don't believe in their running game. I think they're a bunch of imposters out there. And Seattle, they're they're no imposters out there. They're a good little football team, but they're not the same as they used to be. Carolina got better. Seattle took a step back. All of a sudden, Carolina's in the NFC championship game. But I just. I just don't see Arizona as the threat that some people do, and I could be wrong, man. I've been wrong before, but but if Seattle had beaten Minnesota or Carolina beat Minnesota today, Jonathan, just think if, if that game played, or even Green Bay, would we still be wondering about Carolina if they won today? Are they really good? Are they really a team of destiny? Like you said, I think Seattle, they had to beat them in order to get the respect to people, really. I agree with you. I think if they had beat Minnesota or Green Bay or Washington, whoever today, we would still be questioning Carolina a little bit because, you know, we do the whole well. You know, they had an easy division. Uh, you know, their AFC conference they played against uh, – AFC division was the South. I mean, you know, who did they really play this yep. year? By beating Seattle a second time, and I think that has slipped through the cracks a little bit, uh, by beating them a second time this year. I think that that's why you, you're hearing and seeing a lot of people are, are believers in them. And I'm a believer in Carolina. There's no doubt about that. It happened for um, a couple months now. And it's just, you know, the way they won today, I think, really just speaks leaps and bounds for that organization, for that team, and for Cam Newton. 
it shows how what they can do. What in and we talked about the Green Bay game, the the Giants game and this game. I mean, if you the way they can get up on you real quick, you have to be good to get up thirty one to nothing on Seattle. I mean, you really do. They they don't they haven't given up a hundred yard rusher in like three years or two years, and today was the first time to get up thirty one points on Green Bay. You have to be good to get up twenty eight on the Giants on the road. You have to be pretty good. So they they are. I think the coaching is going to have to learn to kind of spread it out a little bit. Okay, don't 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 lose it all in the first half, if you know what I mean. I'm not going to say that on air, but save some for the fourth quarter a little bit. You know, I don't. I'm not saying I didn't like the 31 point lead, but I, I don't like to see someone get up 31 to nothing and then go in the tank. I mean, you know, I mean, it's time to start quit slowing it down so much that you almost lose the game. And Carolina had lost their pace, but against New England, I'm telling you, against Tom Brady or Arizona, even you, you can't do that because Arizona has weapons that will kill you, man. That Fitzgerald will go off on your secondary, and that's one thing I'm not convinced about Carolina. Jonathan, I saw a lot of holes in that secondary today, man. And I know they were in a different kind of defense, but I'm sorry. A good quarterback will pick you apart. I'm not saying Russell Wilson's not. I'm talking about a good quarterback with weapons, like a system quarterback like Brady, Aaron Rodgers, somebody like that will tear you up if you give them that. And I don't know. I'm just I'm a little worried, to be honest with you. But I think the winner of this game, honestly, the NFC Championship, when I watched the two games this weekend in the NFC, and I watched the two games in the AFC. Tell me if I'm wrong, please, but it looked like the varsity when I watched the NFC. It looked like the JV when I watched the AFC. I just was not impressed with Denver, Pittsburgh, New England, or Kansas City, really. I mean, like watching them, how they stack up against the NFC. I, I just think Seattle, uh, Green Bay, Arizona, and Carolina are just better than those four teams. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's a, a very valid claim. Um, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I watched the ASC games, and um, I thought, honestly, the, both the ASC games were boring. Um, they weren't exciting games. And the commentators kind of, you know, thought, too, by the way. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that, the New England <laughs> and Kansas City game, I don't think yeah. it was ever in doubt. And I think that's what bothered me about that game. Um, and then watching Denver and Pittsburgh, I just saw a bunch of bad football today. That's all I saw. I mean, Denver can yeah. drop passes left and right. I mean, drop passes. I just, I mean, I, I really, and I, I ask a Broncos fan, do you really think Broncos could beat Carolina? And they're like, no. I mean, can they beat the Patriots? Yeah, I think they can. I mean, let's, Let's move on real quick, and, and let's talk about last night's games. Let's do it in order, but I really want to talk about Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, what this means. I mean, I think this is – and we'll see what you think. I think this is Tom Brady's uh, or Peyton Manning's last year, but I'm going to tell you something Sonny Clark said this morning and see what you think about that. He said that if Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl, him and Belichick are going to retire together this year. I'm like, no way. I mean, I think they'll retire together, but not this year. I could not see that. Could you? No, not not in the slightest chance. Tom Brady's already come out and said he wants to play another 10 years. And I don't think Belichick's <laughs> anywhere close to retiring right now. I think, that, you know, Belichick, it, it just seems like he's a life, and it you know, feels like he's going to be in the NFL as long as he can. Um, he loves mm-hmm. what he does. And, you know, when you're winning, obviously, and you're the best coach that, you know, a lot of people have ever gotten to see, um, you know, that kind of helps. So, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think if they win the Super Bowl, both of them retire. I don't think either one retire. No, I mean Tom Brady. That I mean, I know it sounds weird. It's like thirty-eight years old, but thirty-seven, thirty-eight. He looks like he's in his prime. You give him some weapons around him, and it's weird. Maybe he's on HGH, or maybe that supermodel he's married to is keeping him young. I don't know. I don't know what Tom Brady does, but whatever it is, it's, it's the right thing because. He just looks good, man. I mean, you give him a couple receivers that's capable. We go back to yesterday's game. And, again, remember when I told you about New England, people were down on them and saying Kansas City was going to beat them? I just didn't think. I just All I thought about was them tanking the last couple of weeks, kind of pulling it in. And I thought, Tom Brady, are you going to lose at home to Alex Smith? That's what I kept thinking to myself. And I'm like, uh, no. Okay, so I picked the Patriots in that game just for that reason and – it was never a game, was it? Like you said, it just never felt like it was ever in question. Never felt like that New England was threatened, really. It was a seven-point game. They covered the spread. New England did. But did it feel like a seven-point game to you? It just felt a little more than that. Yeah. It, 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 you know, New England might have won by seven, but it felt like 70. You know, it, it just Alex Smith, <laughs> and I had this discussion with a couple of different people, uh, a, awful clock management at Kansas City. That was terrible. Um, my God, that was awful. B, Alex Smith should never throw the ball 50 times in a game, ever, ever. I don't care who you're playing. He should never <laughs> throw the ball 50 times in a game. And it became almost a guarantee. Kansas City gets in the red zone and watch the game go, he's going to overthrow this guy. He's going to overthrow this guy. He's going to overthrow this guy. And he's overthrowing seven-yard passes. He's throwing them, you know, three, you know, three rows up into the, into the end zone. You know, what are you doing you know, Alex Smith has no touch on the deep ball. You know, people talk about, well, you know, it's his lack of weapons. No, it's because he can't hit guys more than 15 yards downfield. He has no touch downfield. And, and I, well, at, the, at the end of that game, the, the first thought that came into my mind was, and this is the guy that for some reason the 49ers decided to take over Alex, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, really, at the end of the game, that was my thought. What made the 49ers think in going into a 2005 draft yeah, Alex Smith was the answer. That just blows my mind. Yeah, that's a that's an Urban Meyer quarterback, you know. And and you're right. I mean, and tell me if I'm wrong about this. Kansas City have I don't think I've ever seen Alex Smith throw it 50 times. It's like they went away from their identity um, in this game. They lost who they were. They didn't know who they were, what they were going to do. All of a sudden, they got they have. Uh, Peyton Manning back there throwing it with no running game or something, and it just looked uncomfortable to watch. I, I was really uncomfortable watching it. I felt bad that that he had to throw it 50 times for two. I mean, if I throw it 50 times, I'm going to get 300 yards, and I'm I'm 80 years old over here. And uh, it just to see him, he just didn't look comfortable to me. And it just, I think they asked him to do something that he wasn't comfortable doing. But I guess that's their only way to win, you know. I mean, he did hit like. 10, 11 different receivers, for God's sake. I didn't know they had that many, but Macklin going out didn't help. But at the end of the day, Tom Brady in New England got real lucky at their matchup, I think. It was just a matchup issue, and, and this time, it's just watching New England, it's like they were toying with him. It's like a, a cat toying with a mouse a little bit, you know, like, hey, I'm about to eat you, but before I do, I'm going to play around with you a little bit and make you suffer. And <laughs> Tom Brady got his 300 <laughs> Tom Brady got his 300, and Edelman got 100 yards. Gronkowski with two touchdowns, 83 yards, and nobody can guard that guy. 
And it just it just didn't feel like to me that Kansas City was ever in that game, my friend. And it, it just seems New England's destined for another Super Bowl. But but we'll talk about that in a minute. Any chance did you give? I mean, I I can't remember. Did you pick Kansas City to win or cover, or how did you pick that game yesterday? No, I actually uh, had New England to cover the spread. Um, I, I had Five. them from the get-go. I, I jumped on it Monday, honestly. Okay, good. I just, I just think people started buying into the fact that New England was in trouble, and I was like, no, I mean, come on. They're, this is Belichick here. This is Tom Brady. They're not sweating it. Vegas missed, missed that line. They didn't miss it by much, but they missed it. I think a lot of people made a lot of money. Or a lot of people listened to ESPN all week and talked about how good Kansas City was, and Alex Smith is a top-tier quarterback, like Colin Coward said. I'm, I'm sorry, Alex Smith. is. Do you, do you put him in the top ten, honestly? I, I couldn't even put him in the top 20 right now. Uh, I mean, I'd have to break Maybe down the list good. completely, but he's definitely not a top ten quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. I don't care how bad people think it is after the top mm-hmm. seven or eight. I'm going to be honest with you. Answer me a question. Be honest. And don't look at a career. Don't look at who is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. If you had one one drive left and you had one quarterback that you felt confident to, to get you down the field, who would it be right now if you were picking one? Yeah, it's funny you asked that. I actually had that conversation last night during the Arizona-Green Bay game because uh, my uncle was um, – he was essentially going, you know, going to bat and saying Aaron Rodgers isn't a great quarterback. And we went oh, back and best. forth about it. Yeah, we went back and forth about it. Now, he's a little biased. Um, he said Big Ben is the quarterback he'd want in any situation. He's a Steelers fan. <laughs> um, I looked at it and I said, honestly, just based off this year, I right now I want Cam Newton. And then, you know, Tom Brady would be 1B. I don't think there's a definite uh, 1 and 2. I said Cam would be my 1A right now. And I didn't get any argument with that. Because if you look at this year, I think Cam Newton has ascended himself into the elite quarterback uh, role. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and, and here's my list of three that I would take. In, in any order you want, you can take them. Cam, Brady, Rodgers. You give me... One of those three quarterbacks right there, I feel comfortable that – and I'm looking at the age. You look at the age right now, Cam Newton's younger, but Aaron Rodgers, man. He, people – I just – I know people know he's a great quarterback, but I just don't think they understand how great he is. I mean, he – I mean, I, he puts fear in people. And the way he played last night, he went on the road. And, and even winning that game at Washington wasn't easy, going on the road and playing with a – you lost your best receiver, and Cam did too, but – Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever watched. I'm just really impressed with, with the way he did this year. And I know they struggled at times. And Bears fans will say, no, Jay Cutler is. Aaron Rodgers sucks. No, uh, no they wouldn't. I, they I watched him play. Cutler. Yeah, but, I mean, I know Quinn. I know I know Quinn hates uh, Aaron Rodgers. But the older you get, Quinn, the more, you know, and, and I have, the older I've gotten, the more it's not – it's about hating somebody. It's respecting them. It's you know like Alabama. You know, as I was a kid and everything, growing up, used to hate them because they were Alabama. But the older I've gotten, the more I respect what they're doing now. I don't like them, but you respect people. And if you don't respect Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback in the NFL, something's wrong. I mean, you're a hater. That's all it is. But 
the Cam Newton has led many drives this year down the field. Peyton Manning, not this year, but in the years past, he was one of those guys. That, but Jonathan, watching him today, man, it just hurts me because the receivers are dropping balls. You know he's giving everything he's got. He doesn't have much left in that tank. The light came on, and it's like, where's the nearest gas station? And the, and it's getting close. I mean, they're home next week playing Tom Brady, and it's just it's almost not fair because Manning, it's I don't know, but but those top three are my quarterbacks. Who? So if I'm gonna do a five, uh, I'm gonna go as far to say as you know we got Cam Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger. Those five, I mean, am I missing some people? Those could easily be your top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Carson Palmer is in the top ten. Drew Brees, of course, is is a top ten quarterback. Philip Rivers could be. You just look through it, and the best quarterbacks usually win. I mean, am I missing anybody? I may be, but I think Cam Newton is easily a top three quarterback. You know, Sonny laughed at me last year when I had him top ten, and now Sonny's starting to buy into him a little bit. And I didn't have Russell Wilson about number 15 last year, but this year I've got him up there close to the top five, Jonathan. I I just can't think of anywhere else to put him because all he does is win football games. and make Super Bowls, and he does have a ring. So, I mean, I know rings aren't everything, but Russell Wilson, the way he did today, like we talked about, it's a new it's a new day in the quarterbacks, man. It's starting to – Cam and, and, and Russell Wilson are going to be the top two quarterbacks in the NFL for probably the next ten years. I, I agree with you. I mean, right now I have a top six of quarterbacks where if the game's on the line, I, I, I'll turn the ball over to them, and I don't have any worries. And, and that's guys we talked about. And that, you know, that's Cam, that's Brady, that's Rogers, uh, that's Ben, uh, that's Russell, and that's Palmer. I mean, those are my top six guys, and I'm not afraid to give them the ball uh, when the game's on the line right now. You know, and I think in the next couple of years, I, I think, you know, hopefully I'll be able to include uh, my quarterback, and that's Jameis Winston in that list. Uh, but, you know, right now it's, it's phenomenal watching those guys. Oh, I love watching Jameis in crunch time. I do. I really love it. He, he seems to thrive under that light Cam, bulb pressure. I mean, I mean, here's the deal. Cam's first year, he he took some lumps and everything, but he had some great games. And Winston, I mean, they look similar to me. I don't think Winston can run the ball like Cam can, but, I mean, who's to say he can't have the same success in the NFL? But he's just his first year. I mean, it's just – in year two, you may look at Jameis and say – Wow, I mean, he maybe took a little step back at times, but then he's going to come back. And you know how second year is, a sophomore slump, they call it. But Jameis, anytime, and you look at these players, we're talking about Cam, Brady, Rodgers, Winston, Wilson. You know, one thing about them, they're just their attitude. They're winners, man. Peyton Manning, even. I mean, they're winners. And that's, that's what they do is win. And you can't coach that, Jonathan. You either have that and it's in you or it's not. Like, you can't. You can't make someone have a good work ethic at 30 years old. Or either you you built that from your whole life watching your parents work every day, getting up to go to work the way you've done it. You built it your whole life. You can't coach that. And these guys have work ethics, man. They're winners. And Jameis Winston, you can tell <laughs> he's a he's a winner. He won a national championship, Heisman Trophy. You don't get that by by not being a winner. And Winston's going to be in that conversation. It may take him a couple years to get in the top ten, but he will. He'll get there, and it's like Cam. What is this? His fifth year, right? This is Cam's fifth year playing, and he's finally getting it. So I mean, and Cam Newton was a a junior when he came out, and Winston 
red shirt of the year and, and he played really two years at Florida State, but sometimes it takes just a I think it'll take Winston probably less time to get it than Camp. Just because he had that extra time in college. And that's what I'm hoping, you know. And, you know, I look at Jameis, and all I'm hoping is he has a, a, a career to build up just like a Rogers and a Cam and a Ben have to where, you know, they've been building towards the, you know, Brady, where they built towards being great quarterbacks. And that's all I'm hoping for, um, you know. And, and it's very funny. So earlier this week, um, I have a good friend who actually works for the Lightning, and they were doing a couple things there. So uh, Jameis shows up, and uh, they have a restaurant that was open, and he was there to meet Derek Brooks. All right, so he sits down, and he has this this lunch with with Derek Brooks, and now you know there's a lot of people going, why, why is you know Jameis here having lunch with Derek in the off season? This seems kind of weird, and you're like, well, Derek's a his mentor, but b the conversation was centered around Jameis asking Derek, this is my first off season as a pro. You know, what 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 do I do this off season? This is the first time I don't have somebody, you know, essentially babysitting me and watching over me. And and that to me that showed a great level of maturity. Uh because you know, Jameis is reaching out to, to an old veteran, you know, who played for Florida State and played for Tampa Bay and he's asking, What can I do this off season to be better? What can I do to improve? And that's why I really like what I'm seeing from him as he's maturing and growing. I think what he did in college, all the crap he went through, like Cam Newton went through, it just kind of started maturing him a little bit and then realizing maybe he learned from Cam Newton. Coming to the NFL, you you got to be more humble a little bit. Cam came in a little cocky, and it took him a little while, you know, for his own team to warm up to him. It seemed like Winston's team warmed up to him just fine. And you learn from the mistakes of others, you know. You learn, okay, what did Cam do? Cam, what did you do in the NFL when you first came in that you wish you hadn't have done there? You know, you start asking those players that are successful that, you know, what they did, and it seems like that's what he's doing. He's at, he's looking for, for assistance. That's what I would do. I'd go call Russell Wilson and say, Russell, what did you do? I mean, you look at a role model. Cam's kind of a little, I don't know. He's just Cam. He's different. But Russell Wilson's like, could be the face of the NFL. That's who I would call and say, Russell, what do you do? What's up in the off season? You know, what are you doing? Call Aaron Rodgers. Ask him. And I guarantee you, it's not sitting around playing Madden. You know, I guarantee you, it's working <laughs> their butt off to be better. Watching, watching film. Maybe, maybe playing Madden to 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 see film. You know, to learn things. I bet you could learn a lot as a quarterback watching Madden. Could I mean, just playing it and uh, <laughs> your whole team's playbooks on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, and that's, they, they've done that, and you see that in multiple sports like that, where it's, uh, you know, the NASCAR does it a lot, and you see it with our military. They they utilize uh, the simulations and things like that. And it's all about timing and, and working on hand-eye coordination and, and reaction speed and all that. Um, you know, there's lot, there's multiple studies to, to back all those claims that I made that some people, uh, especially the older generation, if you will, will, will call ridiculous. But, you know, I'm just... You know, I, I, I'm just excited that we actually got, I, I, you know, honestly, I think the four best teams in, in the NFL this year, you know, the top two seeds in each division, mm-hmm. I mean, in each conference, are going at it on the final weekend. You know, I think that's phenomenal. Um, that shows that they clearly were the one-two uh, of, of the respective conferences yeah. this year. Yeah. Look at the quarterbacks for each team. You have Cam, uh, 
Carson Palmer, Brady and Manning, four great quarterbacks. And you look at the defenses, all four have spectacular defenses. I know Arizona, I mean, they can play some defense, man. Carolina can get after it. New England and Denver, the two best defenses in the AFC. And I think, you know, Seattle's probably one of the best defenses in the NFC, but they just didn't have that, that swagger to them this year, that swag. But, you know, they showed a stat that this NFC championship game coming up is like that can in history of most combined wins of two teams. You know, Arizona lost, hmm. what, three ga- three games this year in Carolina won, so that's four losses between them. I think three's been the the one higher, but it's a – it's chalk. You remember last weekend the road teams won, right? All the road teams won the wild card games, and I said that this this week I thought all the home teams would win because you, you get that home field advantage because you're a good team. You're, you're a one or two seed because you've earned it throughout an entire year, and I think, you know, you get a bye week to rest, and you, you are who you are at this time. You're not going to get, you know, probably much better or worse. But but then you have these teams in the wild card round, Jonathan, that like Houston that didn't deserve to have a home home game. You have teams like that, Washington. That, yeah, of course they're going to lose at home. Cincinnati without Andy Dalton, of course you're not going to beat teams. I mean, the six seeds are better, aren't they, Jonathan? I mean, it's like they they've had a, a harder road and a tougher you know matchups all year, but you got in because you won a lousy division. And that's why you have all these road victories in that first weekend, and it, it frustrates people because they think home field is so big, but it's it's not really if you're if you're superior than your opponent. You know, if you're better, a lot better, it's not going to matter as much. And I think that's what what we saw last weekend, and I think this weekend that's what we saw. These home teams are just they're just better. I agree. I mean, I, I think you know the four best teams that were playing this weekend. Uh, won their respective games. I mean, we saw two teams that a lot of people said, oh, we don't want to play them in the playoffs, and that's Seattle and Pittsburgh. And, you know, Pittsburgh, unfortunately, ran into the buzzsaw called health. Um, I think if Pittsburgh had been healthy, that game plays out a lot differently. I think, in all honesty, that, you know, if they're all healthy, I think they win that game. But that that being being said, I, I honestly, you know, looking at it, I think what we got, was, you know, if you look at the quarterbacks, we got the right play. I mean, you know, right now I, I take Palmer over Rodgers because Arizona's healthy. You know, you're taking Manning over uh, Roethlisberger because Manning's healthier. But, you know, Cam and Newton, well, you know, you're taking Carolina. Cam's obviously been the best quarterback this year, and Brady smoked Dallas Smith. You know, you're getting, you know, quarterbacks is what really carries you to a championship this time of the year. We've seen that year in to year out, and it's finally paying off for a lot of these teams. Yeah, and I've seen Cam Newton play a lot of football, and and I've seen him play on the biggest stages, and this is going to be his biggest stage. I mean, I know the national championship was huge against Oregon, but now this is his biggest stage. He has a chance at home, and I just don't think he's going to let it go. You know, that's why I said the home field for Carolina is so important. Had they had to go to Seattle this weekend, they'd probably be in the shower at home, going back home, their season over. If they had to go to Arizona next weekend, um, I just don't like their chances, but because you earned it during the regular season and your quarterback in Carolina, he's, he's used to that stadium, that field, that slick field that Seattle was complaining about before the game started. That's his advantage, man. Those those fans, that those kids that he gives the ball to, I mean, that's what he's earned. And it's going to be hard to beat him, but look at the other side. Let's flip it over. Is Denver going to be 
a big home field advantage for Denver in this game, or is Tom Brady going to come in and, and just kind of, do you think, take the ball by the horns? Because I just don't think that bothers the Patriots being on the road like it would Carolina because they've been there so many times that in the playoffs they played Denver, they played Peyton, but I think if, if the roles were reversed, I think Cam would be in trouble next weekend, possibly. But I don't think Brady's really in trouble because I just think he's been there so many times. It's going to be a great game. I'm not ready to make a prediction yet. But uh, the home field doesn't matter in that AFC championship game. Well, it does and it doesn't because we've already seen New England go to Denver once this year and they did lose. You know, and I think that, that definitely speaks, you know, leaps and bounds about, you know, what, what happened then. Um, and that gives us a little bit of a preview with what we're what we're going to witness. Um, but at the same time, I think you're right. At this point, I think you can kind of throw out home field in that game because the Patriots have played in Denver before. This isn't their first rodeo. And if anything from what we saw, you know, today, um, I mean, does anybody really have any confidence in, in Denver right now? Because, yeah, they won, but watching the game, I don't think anybody can yeah. be really impressed by them. It felt like they lost in a way to me. It just felt like they lost. That fumble, and uh, I want to ask you that. I'm sorry to cut you off, but that fumble by Pittsburgh just doomed them. But what was that touchback on a uh, on a punt that went that went back into the end zone? How can that be a touchback? Uh, I I I don't know. Well, if I thought the rule it had to be a safety or a touchdown. Um, it was a safety, wasn't it? It had to be a safety. That's that's or, what I thought. When I saw that, I said, well, that, it? that's a safety, right? So tell me what happened again. Let me just recap this. Did it? So it was a punt return, right? Yeah, it was a punt. Uh, Marcus Wheaton for Pittsburgh bobbled it. Uh, he never had full possession, which I think is where this gets where it is. So he doesn't have possession. The ball's squirting towards the end zone. A Pittsburgh guy falls on it. Now, if, depending on, I guess, how you felt looking at it, whether he gains possession on the one-yard line, I guess it's debatable. I felt that he did. And then he slid into the end zone. Okay. Well, if he gains possession at the one, slides into the end zone, and then is down, that's a safety. Now, what the refs were, were saying was that he did not gain possession until he was in the end zone. So I guess because possession was never established, that's technically still a live ball, if you will, that can be recovered for a touchback. I, I, just, I would like a full explanation on the rule there. It obviously didn't factor into the ending of the game, but it's still a huge play in that game that I feel needs to be addressed. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think now that when you said that, I, I kind of understand it a little more now. Uh, but the but the fumble in the Pittsburgh game, it just felt like that. I think Pittsburgh was up one that by like four in that, or they were up one in that situation, driving about to score again, and they fumbled it. And then Peyton Manning gets it, falls down, didn't get touched, stands back up, and they get like forty yards and. I think they go in and score the, on that drive and get the two-point conversion ball game, really. I mean, it's, it's it's crazy how one play can turn the game around, but I think Pittsburgh owned Denver until that fumble happened, and I think the momentum switched, and, and that's what happens when you're at home. That's, that's a big thing about home field advantage. It's 
it's easier to flip the the momentum, isn't it, Jonathan? And to get it, and once you get it, you can you can go on a roll with it. And that's what Denver did. But I just felt like watching Denver; they just struggle. I just don't think they can put up enough points against uh, Carolina or Arizona. To if they do, just somehow get past New England. I just don't think they have the the right kind of team. I don't think their defense can hold up for four quarters against offenses like Arizona and Carolina that can hits you from everywhere, and I think Denver could get blown out in the Super Bowl if they're not careful, if they do make it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, obviously that, that fumble that they recovered, uh, that's what, you know, flipped the tide, and they were able to dive down the field, and that uh, <laughs> that fluky play where Manning falls down, gets back up, and, you know, the Steelers were arguing that he slid down and gave himself, gave himself up. up. Now, yeah. I, I don't, I don't buy that for that. a minute. I think Manning just lost his footing, uh, trying to avoid the sack. Um, you know, Peyton. You know, if, if Peyton had given himself off, he wouldn't have gotten back up as quickly as as he did. And that's how I look at that. But you know, that that being what it is, that fumble by Toussaint was huge. And you know, I hope the Pittsburgh fan base doesn't just blast him because for those two playoff games you know, that, that they brought him in for, he played as well as could be expected. Yeah, he did. And, and you know, Pittsburgh's coach was arguing, and he made a valid point. He said, so if we'd have hit him, you'd have gave us a 15-yard penalty, though. And, and they're right. <laughs> they would have. If somebody would have came and smacked Peyton Manning while he was on the ground, there would have been a flag mm-hmm. coming out of that pocket. And that's what Pittsburgh was arguing. But it wasn't. He didn't give himself up. He fell down. I mean, come on. I mean, I love Pittsburgh the way they're trying to justify that, but but he did fall down and and he got back up and made a great play. Um, so after this weekend, I mean, what did you learn, Jonathan, about you know about these these teams and and the games coming up? I mean, I guess Carolina's better than you thought, probably. I mean, just watching them in that first half, and I'm I'm thinking the Patriots are are a little better than what we thought, right? Uh, yeah, we're, you know, really what I learned was that the Patriots are still the Patriots. Uh, they're not to be underestimated. They're going to do enough just to win. Uh, that's something they've been doing for years now, and it's been a recipe that's worked for them. Uh, don't count them out. Um, you know, I mean, I, I we well, learned well, that. I want to ask you something, Jonathan. I want to ask you, mm-hmm. what's the point spread going to be in these two games coming up? Guess them right now. What do you think? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Carolina's at home. Um, I'd open, if it's me, I'm opening that line at four. Uh, Carolina by four. And then if I'm opening the New England-Denver line, I'm opening it at New England uh, by three. Man, we're exactly the same, man. Me and you, that's exactly what I would have it. Maybe three and a half New England. I mean, maybe, just maybe. I doubt it because you were only a five-point favorite at home against Kansas City, and now you're going to Denver. I think three's right, and I think four's right, man. We, you nailed it. Now, now I interrupted you. What else did you learn you were going to say? I apologize for that, but I didn't want to forget to, to try oh, to yeah, predict no, 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 I'm glad. Uh, I mean, I also learned that you know, Denver's offensive struggles are continuing. Um yeah, that's definitely something I thought we, you know, we we all saw. I mean, before the fourth quarter, they they had what 
20 carries for 40 yards. Um, so they're still having a hard time to establish any semblance of a running game. Uh, we learned Carolina's a good team, that they're going to jump on your quest if they don't keep the foot on the gas. Um, and I think we learned Arizona's a good team. That's a gutsy team. You know, that is still the Green Bay team. And that was the Green Bay team that started the year 6-0. and that, That's what we saw in these two playoff games. I think, we, you know, what we learned was Arizona's still a very good team um, and that we should get a great matchup in the NFC Championship game. And I think it's the game that we all wanted to see all along. Yeah, and we'll be we'll be talking about, you know, these games. We're going to have a show this week, and we'll definitely be previewing uh, the conference. Day. Or we may wait till Sunday, Jonathan, and uh, do an afternoon show before the games come on and uh, preview both of them because there's going to be a lot to talk about with these two games. I know usually we preview a lot of games, but there's a lot of information to go over. But before we leave in a minute, I want to talk about a little college basketball. And What you said the other night about Kentucky was right, man. Um, They're just not tough down low. And Auburn beat them yesterday, man. Auburn beat Kentucky in basketball (laughs) yesterday. And... uh, I love my Auburn Tigers. Look, they're going to get better. They're getting better. But if you're a top-tier team, you have no business losing to Auburn. I'm sorry. And, and there's no excuse for that. I've watched Auburn play, and they beat them, Jonathan. I mean, that kind of shocked me a little bit, you know. But after after you talked to me the other night, I started thinking about it. Kentucky was a 12-point favorite. I'm like, if you're right about this, then that's a, that's a lot of points to give to an Auburn team, you know, at home. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Kentucky dropped the ball. They're not going to be ranked. Duke's not going to be ranked. Probably when the when the polls come out. Did you ever think that the Duke Kentucky would be out of the top twenty-five and SMU would be undefeated right now? I mean, really? <laughs> never thought. Yeah, it, never thought that. No, you're right. I mean, it's amazing. And SMU, the story there, um, it's actually something else. Uh, considering that they're essentially running with a seven-man rotation. Um, they're not playing in the postseason. I think that's something that a lot of people have overlooked, that uh, they're they're on a band, you know. And, I and forgot about that. It, it, yeah, I mean, it's just something else that SMU is doing right now. It's a real shame. It's an excellent team. But, you know, Larry Brown teams always find a way to get themselves in trouble. Uh, Kentucky, you know, with no no big man down low, you know, I talked about it before. I'll talk about it again. That worries me. I they think they're just a team right now. They're soft. You're right. They're they soft. Suck. They suck. Um, they suck. Well, hold on, Jonathan. Hold on. Before you go, I, the point spreads just came out on the games. Broncos okay. are underdog three. Carolina's favored three. So we missed the Carolina game by a point. <laughs> Uh, but we nailed the New England game. Me and you need to go to Vegas because Vegas missed the Carolina game. That should be three and a half to four. Sorry, Vegas, you're wrong again, man. Yeah, I mean, if I'm opening a line because I want people to bet on it, that's that, that's a three and a half to four game all day long. Yeah, yeah. And New England three, I could see that being like a twenty to seventeen type of game or a 17 to 14. Uh, heck, I could even see a 10 to 7 type game or, or you know, 7 to 4. Mm-hmm. Two safeties, you know. <laughs> By them mm-hmm. 
Uh, but it's going to be interesting. The 3 o'clock game next week is in Denver, which kind of was surprising. I mean, I thought Denver would be the late game, it being, you know, on the West Coast kind of more, you know, a different time zone. But, no, the Panthers won out. I mean, that's that's huge that the Panthers get that 640 game uh, being at home at night. That shows you that, that – I mean, who's going to watch more? Do you think – People are going to watch New England-Denver more or Arizona-Carolina. I'm one of those that think people are going to watch both of them. I mean, if you're going to watch one, you're going to watch both. Not exactly. I mean, I think the ratings for the uh, the late game are going to be um, definitely the the one everybody's going to look at more. Uh, you know, I, I, I that's just a, a belief, if you will. I think that um, – so Arizona and Carolina is a matchup that I think everybody honestly wants to see. Yeah, that's what we wanted. To, we talked about it, didn't we, before when the playoffs came out? That's that's who we want to see, and and we wanted to see New England and Denver. I mean, we wondered if New England losing that game would would kill their home field advantage. I mean, would that really hurt them? And we're gonna find out Sunday. I didn't think Denver would make it this far, honestly, when it when it all opened up. But here they are. I mean, I picked them to win for this game, you know. But but when the bracket came out, I wasn't real sold on on Denver, and I'm still not. But when Pittsburgh, the injuries happened with Big Ben and Bryant and the running back, what's his name, uh, Williams, is, is William, the running back for Pittsburgh got hurt. It just made me change my perception a little bit, my pick, and I'm glad I did. But back to college basketball, it's, it's been a shock to me to see Duke, the team that won the national championship last year in Kentucky, a Final Four team, not even ranked. And and I think you're right. Kentucky's so soft that you, you don't develop that as the season goes on. You have to you have to recruit it and coach it. And it's just one of those things, Jonathan. You lose so many people. The whole, we lost Harrison, or Kentucky lost Harrison, Towns, Booker, the other Harrison twins, Collie Stein, Lyles, Dakari Johnson. I mean, they lost them all. And and you can't you can't rebound. You can't you can't just reload like that in a in a game like college basketball and expect to be a top ten team all the time and make the Final Four. Can you? I mean, you lose your top seven scorers, you're probably not going to be good the next year. Right. I mean, you know, it was always the question for Kentucky, when are they going to slip? Um, you know, and that, that's always, you know, what we've been looking at. And this is finally, this is finally the year where they're hitting that snag. You know, they brought in what they thought was the top big man prospect, and clearly it's shown that he's a liability down low. Um, I mean, I think Duke's issues, it's a young team, but I still think that's a more talented team. We're going to see them um, on the second week in the March Madness. You know, this is a team they did lose their uh, their first two conference games last year, and we saw how that turned out for them as, as national champs. So uh, I think Duke's okay. Uh, it's just Kentucky, you know, I don't think they're an NIT bound because the SEC isn't that great of a conference. Um, but, I mean, if they don't win the SEC, then they're, you know, they're in a world of trouble. This isn't like the eight seed Kentucky that snuck in and made some of the championship against Connecticut. This the Kentucky team. I don't think they're a Sweet 16 team right now. Yeah, please don't make the NIT. Please, Kentucky, don't don't do the NIT to me, man. I pumped you up for so long, yeah. Don't don't make it to the NIT. But I was I was happy that Office won the game. I mean, honestly, uh, that that I mean, remember when I said a couple of weeks ago Auburn finally has a point guard? 
And, and they do, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> they do, and it makes a difference in basketball when you have that guy that can that can just take over a game and beat the pressure. And let's let's look at the box score a minute. And uh, I was trying to get back to that game real quick. Go back to it, seventy-five to seventy. Auburn's eight and eight, five hundred for the first time, and God knows how long it's been. Um, trust me, Jonathan. Auburn basketball is not something as a fan you look forward to every year. I'll just put it that way to you. We don't look forward to the Auburn basketball, man. As an Auburn fan, you're like, oh God, basketball season's here. We're not running. Put the paper bag over my head. That's that's really what you do. But Kenny with twenty-six points. Four assists. Tyler Harris, 21 points, 11 rebounds. I mean, Cinnamon Bowers, you know, only eight points, but he did have 10 boards. T.J. Lane with a couple of big shots with six points. Bryce Brown, isn't he a football player? But, no, he's on Auburn's bench with six points. Auburn's got a little depth. You know, they've got a couple people that can play, man, and I think they got to play back from injuries, but... Auburn, 46% from the three had a lot. Kentucky only shot 33%. But let's go to free throws. Um, Auburn is shooting way above average at 67% there. Kentucky was 78 But where did, where did Kentucky lose that game? I didn't get to watch it. Um, it just seems like Kentucky won a lot of the the battle steals. They tied with uh, block shots. They are still they were up 7-2 blocks. They tied. Turnovers were about the same. Kentucky had 20, or Auburn had 25,000, it looks like, in that game. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's just not going to do it, I believe, if I'm not, if I'm looking at it right. But where did Kentucky lose, you think? What happened? Because they were up the whole game from what I saw, the score. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky, it looks like, was on their way to another victory. Um yeah, they they it really seemed like they they had control of the game, and then it just started to slowly uh, just unravel uh, at the end of the game. And you know the the big thing was uh, Auburn was you know shot twelve for twenty six from three, whereas Kentucky went six from eighteen. And that that's really you know where where they suffered in the southern. And obviously Auburn shot better from the field, thirty eight to thirty four, and. You know, from the free throw line, they attempted seven more free throws on 13 more attempts. And that was something that was just unheard of. Kentucky went that, you know, a hack-a-shack mode of scoring to start a foul on everybody. Uh, 25 personal fouls compared to Auburn's 13. But, you know, if you watch the end of that game, uh, Auburn just, they took over. They took control. And, you know, they, they finally got the lead with about a minute and a half left. And, you know, Kentucky just went cold. I mean, down the stretch, you know, you, you had Ulysses who, you know, he missed a, a layup that was really just a backbreaker, about 24 seconds left. Um, you know, they, they went they went ice cold and went one for four in the last minute and a half shooting, whereas Auburn just started making all their free throws. And that wound up being mm-hmm. a huge difference in the game. Well, I want to ask you something real quick before we go. Former Auburn coach Tony Barbie, they fired him. They got in uh, Bruce Pearl, but He's an assistant coach for Kentucky, and uh, he wasn't at the game last night because he said he was out recruiting. Does that make sense? I mean, you you would I, I don't know during the season like during an SEC game on the road you get recruiting you don't come to the game. Have you ever heard of that? 
No, that does seem a little odd. Um, I mean, you know, the, you know, from time to time, you know, you look at and go, you make a recruiting trip, but you, you know, you would expect, you know, everybody as a member of that uh, coaching staff would be at a game like that, uh, and and that's just that's just weird. Yeah, he didn't want to get booed out of the stadium. You know, he went. What the what was his record like? Ten and fifty or something like that. Uh, I can't remember what it was in the SEC, but the guy sucked. I mean, but look at what what Bruce. I mean, that I think this game's kind of like a a turning point for Auburn basketball a little bit to say, hey, you know, we're not back yet, but we're going to be there. We're a lot better than we have been in the past. Going, you know, going four days in the SEC tournament last year was huge for a team that won three games in the regular season to match their win total really in a in a weekend. Because remember, Auburn had to play that first day, Jonathan. They they had to play Wednesday, and they had to play Thursday. They had to play Friday, and they got bounced on Saturday by Kentucky. But I think Bruce Pearl's got this program headed the right direction if we don't go on probation. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only thing you have to worry about is, you know, how is Bruce Pearl actually doing his recruiting. Uh, but, you know, in all honesty, uh, that whole situation in Tennessee was just a stupid mess. Um I I do think that you're right. Bruce Pearl does have this this program going in the right direction, and that's that's really nice to see. Um, as a Florida State fan, I was hoping we could do the same things this year. And uh, I mean, we upset the team tonight, so I mean, going the whole yeah. but, You know, I, you and I are in the same boat where basketball season comes around, you just kind of cringe and go, "All right, football season, you you need to get back." Yeah, and even even we're, we're playing. Watson and Clemson, I still want football back. Come on, come on back. Let's come on back. Let's. I'm scared a little bit, but but real quick, Auburn for all the Auburn fans out there. I know we have a lot to listen to this show. It's, Auburn's doing a good job on the recruiting trail, Jonathan. I think they have a real good chance to end up with a good top ten recruiting class and to, to add depth. And it came back over the week that Carl Lawson and Montrevious Adams will be back for another year, which is huge having those two monsters on the defensive line could really boost Auburn's defense. The team that lost a couple of senior linebackers, they've got a lot of talent and, you know, some some grit, some some players that's played some games in there now. I believe Auburn's defensive line could be one of the top in the SEC because of who they have coming back. doesn't mean they're going to be great or anything, but it's it's real big for recruiting to me. It's like you, you keep losing at Adams on your team, that's like, landing the number one recruiting class to me because those guys are, are hard to replace, that kind of talent and that kind of experience on the defensive line. Auburn could be pretty good next year, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm, not, Maybe. I'm not jumping on the train again. Maybe. No, yeah. no I'm not either. I'm going I'm to wait until I see the – no, I'm just talking about on the defensive side of the ball again. I mean, Auburn got a lot better as the year went on. But until I see a quarterback – that mm-hmm. can run and throw. I'm not going to pick Auburn to win another game. I mean, I, I just have to. I just have to see him. You got to have Franklin come in and, and do a real good job. Franklin the third or whatever his name is. But um, but the the talent at Auburn right now, Jonathan is is big. They have the talent enough to win championships, to be able to compete, to be able to get to the Final Four. But you got to have a quarterback, and we'll see what they can do this year. Anything you want to touch on before we go? Uh, no, I mean, 
Uh, you know, I was waiting obviously for uh for for it to for it to kick off with uh, college football and recruiting teaming up. Uh, I do want to congratulate uh Auburn on securing a uh, all but set in stone commitment for Nate Craig Myers, uh, who is one of the top receiving uh prospects in the nation. Uh he's not going to Florida and I guess he came out earlier today and said Florida State's off his list, so I don't really leave you guys. Uh so good luck with him. Uh hopefully you guys don't come in and take his uh, brother out of Pasco High School. <laughs> but no, I'm just uh, I'm really excited at, for this upcoming uh, championship bout, and it's just a couple more weeks, and we have no are you, football are you bitter? whatsoever. Are you, are you bitter? Are you bitter that Auburn may have taken this guy? Are you saying don't take his brother? Because I heard something about Auburn maybe taking his brother. You're saying that's not a good move? Yeah, no, I wouldn't like it if y'all did that. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, I mean, no, really, congratulations on Nate. I mean, he decommitted, and now it looks like he's going to recommit to you guys. And that's, uh, I think that's an awesome get for Auburn to uh, get the talent. We, we're loaded at wide receiver uh, for the next couple of years, so you know, it's always a lot harder for us right now to recruit receivers. Um, you know, I, but yeah, the, I would prefer you not take his brother, who's a four-star quarterback. I'd, I'd like to be able to keep him in Tallahassee. Well, I mean, Stephen Davis Jr. His, his dad played for Auburn. Remember Stephen Davis? If you know football, um, mm-hmm. you know he's liking Auburn right now. He, I know he decommitted, opened his commitment back up, but he really liked the weekend. And it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt beating Kentucky right there in basketball. It just kind of brings uh, energy to the the program. You know how it how it is. And they put all the kids up on the jumbotron, like like being recruited their names and all this. You know how they do. Um, mm-hmm. But Auburn's a good place to play football. You know, seven and sixteen, it happens. Gus Malzahn's fighting for his life. That's that's just all there is to it, man. I mean, he, he's coaching for his life. If he doesn't win ten games this year, he's gone, and that's that's sad. But it's the reality of, of basketball. Looks like the Oregon Ducks hired a defensive coordinator. It was a weird hire, Jonathan. I just didn't get to hire Brady Hoke as a defensive coordinator at Oregon. I never saw that coming. I guess maybe um, oh, I'm not, you're not, not alone or something. You're not alone, man. That 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 hire just it caught me. Uh, it caught me off. I, I saw it and went, wait, what? I mean, that that just didn't make you know. I don't. I don't think. I don't know if his scheme will fit out there. I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, one thing about Brady Hope, he's always been good at recruiting. Um, so we'll we'll see what what you know what winds up going on for Oregon whether it's positive or not coming in the next uh, year or two and I think really it takes two years to find out whether or not a coordinating hire was uh, good or not so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out for them. Well, let's see what Jason thinks. Jason, what do you think about Brady Hope as a coordinator? Uh, we'll be happy about the hire. Um, I mean, I think I can't really talk to on the bus right now, but I'm happy about the hire. Okay. Well, I can't hear you real good now, Jason, man, but I know you've been listening, and thanks for listening to the show, having some trouble with the connection there. But we'll be back on. Make sure you join in. Um, I'll let you know, Jonathan. Let me know if you want to do a show this week. It's going to be kind of a crazy week for me. I've got some things going on, but this weekend definitely we'll do a show if we don't do one during this week. That's all right with you. Hey, it sounds good to me, man. I know your uh, your schedule is a little more hectic than mine this time of the year. Yes, yeah, it's just 
It's crazy right now. I'm going to work a little bit tomorrow, but enjoy Martin Luther King's day. I get a day off, so uh, I just need a day off. So this weekend's been fun, the football, all the excitement, but now it's time for a day off, isn't it? Now, oh, I'm yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited as well. Oh, and I, I refereed eight basketball games yesterday, and my legs are killing me. Oh, that's aggressive. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a little too much. A couple of referees didn't show up and left me there, and I'm like, oh, God. But that sixth game, I started really feeling it, man. I was like, all right, I'm not going to take any crap off anybody. You even say anything to me, I'm throwing you out, you know. It's like <laughs> jumping up and down. I got the referee a 9- and 10-year-old girls game yesterday, and that was like a, a street fight. Imagine two nine and ten year old teens, girls fist fighting, slapping, pulling hairs, jerking them to the ground. That was jump ball. I called fifty jump balls in one game, I think. <laughs> but uh, Jeez, fifty thousand, fifty fifty jump balls. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. But yeah, eight. I'm thirty nine years old now. Eight games was a lot when you when I was twenty five. So. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of basketball to be played. So I think tomorrow I'm gonna really feel it. Don't you? Oh yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. That's usually how it works out. Well, I didn't hear from Quinn today. He was—I uh, don't know where he's at. It must be past his bedtime. It's ten o'clock Eastern. He must—he must have a curfew to be in bed by nine o'clock on the weekends for school or something. School in tomorrow? Uh, uh, or are they off? Oh no, they're off. <laughs> okay, I, I can't remember, man. But yeah, Quinn's got a curfew tonight. And I, I thought, you know, I thought he would definitely call in that Cam Newton won and Aaron Rodgers lost. I thought that would he would definitely call in, but I don't know where people are right now. But 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 watch this week, Jonathan. You're gonna start seeing the Cam Newton bandwagon start filling up a little bit. I'm already starting to see it a little bit. But but one thing I wanted to address, people were getting on to him because he came to do you remember during the game where Sheila wouldn't get the play in quick enough or whoever, and he came over to the sideline and he said the F word. Yes. You remember, people are all over that. Like, oh, he shouldn't do that. He's a sore loser. I'm like, what? I mean, Tom Brady says it every breath. Um, you know, all these quarterbacks. I mean, you're in a competitive battle for your life here, and you get mad because the team's coming back on you and your coach won't get you the, and you have to burn a timeout. If you're Cam Newton, are you going to beat him up, Jonathan, for saying the F word? <laughs> Come on. Well, no, because if, if you had been around the conversation uh, that I was a part of last night, that's just, is, you know, that's that's like using the word I. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially what, it, what it's like when, when, we're all get, when we're all get together. Uh, especially when uh, you have money on Arizona laying uh, six and a half. <laughs> I know it's kind of sucks, man. But, but Jonathan, you you are the man. You know how to pick them, man. It, it happens to every one of us. And you just got caught up in it last night, and luckily I didn't touch it. So, anyway, we'll see you this weekend <laughs> or this week. Have a good one, my friend. Everybody out there, have a safe week, and we'll see you soon. Have a good one, Brian, everybody else. Y'all uh, y'all All right. stay safe. All right. See you, buddy. Bye.